what if I, what if I hurt myself enough that I will be put in the hospital for, I don't know, one month, two months, three months, like that'll give me the break I need. That was Jen Vertinen, and this is episode 39 of the Soul of Sensitivity podcast. I'm your host, Anna Holden, the resident intuitive healer and witch at SensitivityUncensored.com. Each new and full moon, I bring you the voices of sensitive, empathic, and creative pioneers starting conversations to lift up the voices of sensitive souls who have a piece of the solution to help all of us evolve out of the limiting, patriarchal structures that bind us and start to create a new world that values us all. This is the Soul of Sensitivity. Hi there, everyone, and happy new moon. I am so excited to bring you a conversation today with Jen Vertinen. We are going to dive deep into the depths of depression. Super, you know, super dark moon topic for us today. But before we get into that, we've got a few things to chat about. I just said it, but I'll say it again. Happy new moon, dear ones. How are you doing today? New moon is the time of both endings and beginnings. It both starts the cycle and ends the cycle. The cycle that began on January 5th is ending now. And so in these times of this new moon, these these endings, part of the question is, what are you letting go of? New moons are a really great time to let go of that which is not serving us. And so I'm recording this introduction on Wednesday, January 30th. And so at this time, it's still the the waning crescent moon. And so this is this time where I'm taking a little bit of extra time to reflect and say and notice what worked well from this cycle and what didn't what needs to go and what wants to be carried forward. So something that you can um, use in ritual or intention in the new moon is to think about what what's ending? What is it time to let go of? We have a new moon in Aquarius. So wherever the moon's at, and in, in both its phases and in the signs, is what's happening in, in our collective feeling, what's happening in the collective. And so the collective energy around this new moon being in Aquarius has to do with feeling like we need more space, feeling like we need some freedom. Aquarian energy wants to break boundaries. It wants to think outside of the box. It doesn't want any sort of bounds on it. My my uh, son's natal moon is in Aquarius and he just fights anything that has to, you know, seat belts, buckles, anything that would restrain him. He needs to feel like he has the most amount of freedom possible. So when we enter into a new moon, the new moon is is the dark time. It's the time when we're planting seeds. And my interpretation of this, and I'm beginning at this, remember, um, is that this is this is a really, we're going to feel as we plant these seeds, um, like we want to create more freedom, we want to create more space. 
And so as you plant um, these seeds, part of what you might, what might start to come up are the ways in which you're being constrained, the ways in which our system, our culture, our family, um, the, the lifestyle that we have are holding us back from reaching um, goals and planting the actual seeds we want to plant. So as you, um, if you, if you take a little bit of ritual space uh, today, what can be helpful is sitting with, you know, what is, is, what is it that we want to let go and what are the seeds that we want uh, to plant moving forward. And as I sat down to um, work with this introduction today, I uh, got the call to do a little bit of an oracle reading with this new moon and kind of what's oh available for us in this next phase. And so as I do this oracle reading, I'm using the Illuminated Earth Oracle by Claire Mack. And how cool is this? Somebody, a friend of mine, heard my call out of Claire's uh, Oracle deck on the podcast and said, hey, I know her, and has gotten me in touch with Claire, and I get to have coffee with her. So I get to do a little bit of fangirling coffee. I'm very, very excited about that. But as I sat down to do this Oracle, I tapped into the group of listeners, the group of people who are um, here so that's you um, as a collective. And so this is a bit of a, a collective reading on this, this upcoming phase. Ah, the first card that I get is this card disguise. And the, the, the artwork on this card is of a, a human inside of a bear suit holding a fish. And this person seems to be underneath the moon, looks kind of like a, a cloudy night, but the moon is visible. And what I'm, the interpretation that I'm receiving for this card, the kind of the download that I'm getting here is that (laughs) there are ways that you have been disguising yourself that you may even be slightly unaware of. There are ways in which you've been wearing a disguise that ultimately keeps you safe and not free. There's a way that this disguise has been imposed on you and it, it, it's been imposed on you to make you feel safe and make you feel secure, um, but it's been imposed on you out of fear. You are more powerful without this disguise. The next card that I get is the Earth card. The picture in here is really incredible, a bit hard to describe. There's a a fairly abstract background. And then there's a small circle inside or half inside of a larger circle. And what looks like a blooming coral or incredible mushroom on top of that. My interpretation for this is that this is this is this this is what we're stepping into right now in this phase. This is where the new moon is taking us. And the new moon is asking us to plant seeds where we grow outside of the bounds. As I look at this photo, this mushroom is blooming off of this very boundaried circle in a way that it is wild. And so there's a bit of a rewilding being asked of us that we are courageous enough to step outside of those original lines and create some unbounded work for ourselves. How do we become rewild? How do we be connected to that which is wild? We forget that the earth is wild 
because we've colonized and tamed it for so long. So how do we get back in connection with the wildness of the earth that is around us? That's the task at this new moon. And then as I pull the third card, and this is the the probable outcome, if we are to, to do these things, to step out of our disguise and into our wildness, the card that comes is resilience. And it's just a gorgeous card. It's difficult to explain as some of um, Claire's artwork is because it's just so, it's so sensory. It, it makes me feel, it makes me feel more than I can describe. But there's a, there seems to be like a, a cave or a cavern that's just full of emanating light. And there are these flowers and plants growing down from the ceiling of this cavern and up from the bottom. And they're growing from this sense of internal light. The, not, the light is not without. The light is within. And this internal light is, is creating life. It's creating growth. It's creating possibility. It's creating resiliency. And so what I'm understanding from this reading is that as we move outside of our disguise, As we rewild and connect with the wildness that the earth is, we actually create more space for resiliency, for elasticity, for our ability to be in the world as highly sensitive people. All right, that feels complete. I will leave it at that. A couple things I want to draw your attention to. Have you seen my new website? It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. I think it's beautiful. If you navigate over to the library button and scroll down to boutique, I have a little boutique for you. Some of you have been there already and noticed that there are some freebies for you. There are some things on sale, little PDF handouts about uh, responsibility and um, Ayurvedic guidelines for healthy eating and different things like that. There are home study courses for you there. And the main thing I want to draw your attention to is an herbal massage oil, an herbal body oil that I made just for you called Belonging. And I think I talked about making this uh, the last the last podcast on the 20th, but it's ready for sale. It is it is cooled. It's been placed in its beautiful protective amber jars. I've created labels and these are ready to ship. These products are ready to ship. This is a very small batch. I think I have 11 bottles left in stock. And if you didn't hear the podcast last time, self a self massage practice is a practice of self-love. It's a practice of remembering how to be in your body. And when I say remembering, I mean bringing back the parts of you that chose this body, that said, I want to be in this body. And so as you rub these oils on you in that loving manner, that's the, the psychological, emotional, spiritual component of, of bringing yourself back home. Medicinally, I've chosen the herbs of bala, ashwagandha, rose, and a little hint of cinnamon. And I've medicinally cooked these herbs into the oil. And these herbs are specific to help both calm 
and nourish your nervous system. So they both they all add a calming effect. And you'll notice that in the smell, it's a sweet, earthy smell of this oil. I left it untouched from essential oils because the original smell is just so incredible. Uh, and then also tones the nervous system. So that resiliency we were just talking about in the oracle. Uh, medicated oils and these herbs in particular are part of what helps the nervous system find its resiliency. These are herbs that actually support that resiliency process. So I'm selling these oils. There Again, there's only 11 jars, so I invite you to head over to the boutique and give it a try. Uh, my goal is to make um, products to have them out for most of the traditional pagan sabbats or holy days. So this will be something that will be there, but they're all going to be in small batches. So there's, these are things I'm making out of my kitchen. These are calling on my um, study and research in Ayurvedic medicine and herbology. So I invite you to try uh, some of these things. So head on over there, check out the description. I wish that I could have, you know, put the smell <laughs> through the computer because they're just so amazing. I've been using it every day. It, my skin loves it absolutely loves it. It's fantastic. So please head over to the boutique. I will place a link in the show notes. Before I forget, thank you to all of the people who have left reviews, rated the podcast. That means so much to me. And for those of you who who donate on Patreon, that means the world to me as well. My Patreon tiers, rewards, and things are going to be changing. I'm going to make an announcement about that next time because I'm still in that process, like I said, the waning crescent, of figuring out exactly what stays and what goes. But that's something that I'm going to be shifting a little bit to be able to take care of my patrons a little bit better. In the meantime, if you like this work and you want to have more of me in your ear or on your screen, head over to the Refuge for Sacred Rebellion. It is a free membership group now. I'm on there weekly with videos and jumping in to post uh, questions, and there will be some upcoming workshops. Um, I'm not sure exactly when yet, but that's on the docket for um, one of the next cycles here. It's free. It's in Mighty Networks. It's not on Facebook. So please come on over there. Today, I contacted my friend Jen Vertinen to talk about a subject that I've wanted to talk about on the podcast for a while, but I wasn't sure how to approach it. I want to talk about depression. I want to talk about anxiety and depression and some of the other nervous system challenges that highly sensitive people can have. There are so many ways to understand, look at, and talk about um, depression and anxiety. The traditional psychological way is as a mental illness with the brain chemistry imbalance, and that's a valid way. The somatic experiencing way would look at what the nervous system is doing, how the nervous system is reacting, and would look at it as nervous system dysregulation. And then there are other spiritual traditions who would look at it um, as a spiritual crisis. And so today we're not going to try to categorize anything. Um, how, if you've experienced anxiety and depression, your journey is, oh God, I just called it a journey. I'm sorry. Your experience of that is yours. 
It's only yours. And so today, Jen Vernon and I are going to talk about our experiences with anxiety and depression. And really what we're trying to do is normalize this experience. A lot of us in this day and age experience some form, at some time, anxiety and depression. If you were in uh, the Refuge for Sacred Rebellion in the in 2018, at the end of the year, we read uh, Marianne Greenspan's book, Healing Through the Dark Emotions. So we all go through periods of difficult emotions, and that's what she says in her book. We all go through those periods. And whether or not we want to categorize those periods as um, depression or not, or believe what the the clinical you know diagnostics say about that, it, it's really really up to us. So the conversation that Jen and I have today is not to put anything, not to put our experience on you. It's not to have a clinical discussion. It's to have an experiential one. How have we experienced depression? How has that affected our lives? And what are the tools that we've used to come back to ourselves? I talk a little bit about the spiritual mechanics of depression, um, only in the way, not as a spiritual bypassing way, but in the way that I've seen them operate both in myself and in others that I have worked with. And so I provide that again, not as a bypass, but to help understand some of the mechanics of the spirit that uh, happen when we're experiencing these periods. If you don't know about Jen Vertinen, you should. She's over at jenvertinen.com. She's a life coach, a speaker, and she hosts the awesome and acclaimed Going There podcast. Using her signature candor, humor, and love of looking at life in all its messy glory, she wants to get the world talking about the good stuff. You know, the uncomfortable human bits we all try to hide but make us who we are, because that's the key to connection. Whether she's talking to her cast of interesting guests about their highest highs and lowest lows, writing and speaking about her own journey from trauma-induced isolation back to connection with herself, her family, and her community, or working one-on-one with clients to help them unpack their emotional baggage and own their stories, one thing is always the same, the transformative power of going there. You can follow Jen Vertinen at jenvertinen.com or join her conversation on Instagram. All of that will be in the show notes. So without further ado, here is my friend and interviewee, Jen Vertinen. So we're going to talk about depression today, which sounds super fun. Um, I love talking about depression. Yeah. Well, we need to talk more about it. So I'm, I'm, I, you know, I've been thinking about you for a while because I reached out to you in the summer. Yep. Um, I think I'd seen a Facebook post that you Mm -hmm. had Mm -hmm. and I so resonated with it. I think you said something about, um, you'd have your husband help you get out of bed. Yep. Do you want to, I want to hear more about that. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I've had depression off and on my whole entire, probably my whole entire life, but I didn't really realize it until I was an adult. Um, And so I'm, I'm used to the ebbs and flows of it, Yeah, which is nice, right? I'm used to, my husband knows the signs and can kind of say, Hey, here's what's going on. And so I can, my logical brain can wrap itself around that and be like, oh, okay, when I'm depressed, I do X, Y, and Z. 
And I know the light will be at the end of the tunnel and I will get there eventually. But this one time it was earlier in 2018. Now it was just, it was, I've never experienced anything like it, but there was one morning where I, I just physically felt like I cannot get out of bed and I didn't know what to do because of course then shame goes through. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. you're being lazy. You're being, you know, all these really bad things I said to myself and I still couldn't get out of bed, you know? And, uh, I just, and there, there, I'm trying to think back to that. I think I had been working from home the last few days and it was like, I need to get my butt into the office. I need to show up. Um, we need my job, my income. And so I just, I called down to my husband and I said, you know, I, I need your help. Um, I need, I need you to get me out of the bed. I can get dressed on my own. I'm not going to shower today. I'm not going to clean off yesterday's makeup and re-put it on. I'm just going to get dressed. And then, and so I went through the motions and then I, I asked him, I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to get to work on my own. Can you please drive me? And that's just, it, that's never happened. And it was, it was scary and weird and discombobulating and all those things. But it was also, I'd say a bit of a wake wake up call that something, not something else was going on, but maybe um, there was more to it than just depression in it depression as I was used to it up to that point. Does that make sense? Yeah. It sounds like there was like, there was a new level you'd access yeah. a new point somewhere where, yeah. yeah. Well, and like so, a new depth. <laughs> yeah. And so much that you said right there, I want to talk about, I mean, first of all, I want to talk about depression in general and kind of our, both of our experiences in it. Cause I think there are so many listeners who resonate with it, you know, and it's still kind of this taboo subject, you know, something that we don't talk about, particularly for the reasons that you just described, Mm -hmm. all that shame that comes up. And it's so interesting how we'll often, those of us who experience depression will often use shame to motivate ourselves rather than like necessarily get help. We'll use the shame to like push through something that's asking us to take a step back. Yeah. You know, my husband happens to work from home. So thankfully he was there to do that for me. But what if he wasn't there? I would have, I would have laid in bed and that's not good, bad, right or wrong. Right. right? It just is. It is what it is. And he would have come home and found me laying in bed and would have been concerned and and all Mm -hmm. of that. But not everyone has that. You know, I was lucky to have that support on that day. Exactly. Yeah. And someone who was, you know, looking out for you and understood that, that you, that you needed that help and wasn't going to shame you or, you know, put you in danger. Right. He knew that this was a one-off unusual event and he didn't make me feel shame or any of that. It was totally myself doing that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're our own worst enemies. Yeah. Well, and now that some of the taboo around mental illness is being lifted because that we are talking about it a bit more, I'm curious when was the first time you experienced any sort of mental illness like in your um, younger years and, and how you might remember that or how did you know like, oh, this, this oh, okay. maybe requires some help? <laughs> you know, that's a great question. Um, I, what I remember, I'm, I'm turning 50 in 2020. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Owning it. Um, uh-huh. 
I don't remember mental health from my childhood. Um, we were just trying to survive my dad's mental health. <laughs> and I talk about that pretty openly. Mm-hmm. Um, my 20s were really spent raising babies. Right. And so I don't, I don't remember inklings of it then. I think it was when in my 30s, I had my third and final child. And I just felt like a shell of a person. And I, I remember I... <sighs> I don't even know the length of time, but after a while I talked to my doctor about it and she pulled out the, the sheet that you, that they have you like circle how you're doing, how the last two weeks have been. And she's like, Oh, you know, so I fill it out and she's like, Oh, what you have is depression and there's medicine for that. And da, 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 da. so I want to say it was in my mid thirties was mm-hmm. the first inkling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. Yeah. I think I remember, I mean, the first time I was actually diagnosed with diapre- with depression was when I was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa. Oh, wow. And so I developed it. And it's interesting because it's like, what comes first? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and I think for me, like my depression is marked by an anxiety that precedes it, mm. you know? And so for me, in um, when I was school age, the, the anxiety showed up as nervousness and perfectionism. Mm. And I think that there's only, for my body, there's only so long that my train can, my body can ride that train, you know, of like driving forward, driving, 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 perfection, perfection, perfection. And then for me, it manifested in this eating disorder. And then I became incredibly depressed. Yeah. <laughs> through the yeah. eating disorder. And that was the first time that I, um, was marked with depression. And I remember for me, those early days, it was an interesting time because I was both trying to recover from an eating disorder with like, and all of the weird phobias and the things that your, that your mind does when you have an eating disorder. And then I felt incredibly isolated mm-hmm. and down. And I, rem- I remember for me, that indication of like, something is not right as I was one night I was laying on my floor. I think I'd come home from a th- another three-hour workout or something. It was, was, was mm. my jam. And I was so cold. It was winter in Utah. And I was mm. so cold. And I was laying in this blanket on my bedroom floor. And I remember um, I, it was kind of just daydreaming. And I remember daydream, daydreaming about this place in this canyon near my home. There's a famous canyon called Logan Canyon. It's very beautiful in the fall. It's like being on the East Coast in the mm-hmm. fall, except mm-hmm. it's not the East. Um, and there's this bridge over the river. And I remember just, it, the, I, I don't know if I was in a vision or a journey, but I just imagined climbing up on the bridge and jumping into the cold mm-hmm. river and how nice it would be to just sink to the bottom of the river right. and then I was like holy fuck what you know like where did that come from where did that come from and it was like it emerged out of me as like this idea and then I started to panic a little yeah mine was I was driving home from work and um, along the 94 corridor in the midwest if we have any midwesterners you know what I'm talking about um, and I was behind a truck and we were going over a bridge And I remember looking at the back end of the truck and thinking, what if I just ran into the truck? Not to kill myself, like that has never been um, something that's been in my brain. Um, But what if I I hurt myself enough that I will be put in the hospital for, I don't know, 
one month, two months, three months. Like that'll give me the break I need. And whoa, (laughs) same thing coming out of total left field. And you're left with like, what the hell just happened? Oh my God, this is, this is not okay. Yeah. This is not okay. Yeah. It's it's such a desperate feeling. It is such a desperate feeling. And from the first time I experienced that as a teenager, I think, you know, my system was kind of saying, Hey, like this thing you're doing is not sustainable. You, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to end up at the bottom of a river if you don't, you know, start eating and like, I don't know, rest from time to time or (laughs) whatever it is. So mine Uh, shows up very clinical in that. Have you seen the black dog of depression comic? I'm not sure. uh, So this, this, this comic strip showing vignettes of, of this person going about their day-to-day life and showing this kind of big black dog on their back, the, the black dog that's kind of keeping them isolated, having them lash out at people they love. It's just this great visual of what, what my depression feels like is this, this dread, this isolation, this deep, dark, hopeless place while still going about my day with smiles and laughter and joking and, and what have you. So I'd, I'd love to, I'll send you the link and I'd love to have that included in the show notes. Absolutely. That sounds great to help because um, I think it's important for people to know that, you know, depression, it doesn't, it can show up in that very clinical way yeah. and yeah. it can show up in really different ways too. Yeah, like sure. my, and I talked about this on your show, but my, postpartum postpartum depression so the the second time that I experienced a deep dark depression was after I had my son and it showed up as anger Mm. and that was really interesting I didn't realize that that was actually a sign of postpartum depression was anger Mm. um, and postpartum anxiety and depression and then mine was was this like this anxiety that then manifested itself in this like insomnia that I, mm. I couldn't, you know, everyone would be asleep and I'd be like, somebody's going to need me. And I, can't, I could oh not go to yeah. sleep. And then I would just crash into what I call the dark cloud. It's like mm. this dark cloud would come. And that shame, for me, the shame and the negative self-talk, it was like a way to try to get me back out. You know, like, mm-hmm. we, like you kind of said, it was like that almost a, a, a backward kind of motivating factor. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't, which, you know, never really helped just, for me. It just kind of keeps me stuck in that, in that spiral. And then the real depression happened even more when like that voice got tired. Yeah. And then what scared me the most was getting really apathetic. Oh yeah. <laughs> that apathy. I know the that. Apathy. Well. And it's so when you're a vibrant, alive person feeling that apathy especially over an extended period of time it just about kills you it It is such a soul sucking yeah it's awful I and that's what I I remember pretty vividly from my high school days is I I live I grew up in this beautiful mountain valley um in Utah and I, re- and just, just waking up there is inspirational. Like mm. it's fucking gorgeous, you know? Mm. And I remember driving to school or being on the bus to school and looking at the sun coming over the mountains and feeling nothing and was like, something is really wrong. 
because that, that, you know, that would stir something in me every morning. Right. And there, and there was was nothing. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. There was my, so I've been pretty open that 2018 for me was a year of just more mental health stuff that I've than than I have been used to, you know, dealing with and, and I'm dealing with it. I'm getting the help that I need and all of that. But we, we had tickets to go see Hamilton and I was like, internally, I was so excited mm-hmm. and the day comes where it's my husband, my daughter, her best friend, we went out for a lovely dinner and I felt nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are you <laughs> flipping kidding me? A, we spent so much money on these tickets. B, there is, there's literally nothing wrong in my world. My world is good. And yet I can't feel, I can't enjoy. I'm going through the motions. What the fuck is wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Exactly. What is So wrong I want to go you? see Hamilton again because <laughs> like, <laughs> like that was not okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To me, pout. That was not okay. I got to see Hamilton and I didn't feel it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. It is a sense that we're not all there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's always yeah. a sense that I get when I'm, you know, in the throes of a, of a wave of mental health is like, I'm not really here. Yeah. I'm here you know? and I'm not. I'm here and I'm not. You know, yeah. it's interesting too, you know, as a, as a clairvoyant reader, you know, I, mm. I, I read the energy of mental health and that's, that's actually kind of how it shows up Really, as, as just not being really there, not, you know, almost being like a, a sapling or something that needs something to, to strap it up to, you know, we're not all there. Part of us is leaned over or taken a back seat or is otherwise just kind of Mm. gone elsewhere in the past and the future. Mm -hmm. So, so much of the energy work around, um, uh, mental illness stuff is, is always bringing us back in fortifying Mm-hmm. The spirit making it want to be there what are the conditions in the body that makes the spirit not want to be there you know all of that kind of thing and I, I there's so much I want to talk about I want to talk about different kinds of help I want to talk mm. about medications and um, other things that we can do for our mental health um, and you know something that's just so so in so interesting I found in the in my um, look, looking at mental health is a lot of the things that would have uh, that are needs for us, like community needs, mm-hmm. uh, intimacy needs, being taken care of, are not things we currently have built into our culture. Yeah. And so, when we get to these places of mental illness, like you said, we feel like it's our fault. Mm-hmm. When really, I, so many times, I think the conditions around us create gaps for yeah, us. They certainly right? don't help. And then we end up so lonely. Yeah. Loneliness is another topic, you know, that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I felt really lonely. I, I mean, I'd, I've spoken pretty publicly about it on the show about, um, some marital issues that mm. it is interesting. The, the marital issues happened at a time right when I had been literally right when I had weaned off of my postpartum depression medication. Because oh, wow. being on the, the, the medication that I was on, I was actually getting apathy again. It's like I was over medicated. Mm-hmm. So my doctor said, yep, let's wean off. Let's get off of that. And then I had 
um, all this anxiety and panic attacks and went into a deep, dark hole, the kind of suicidal thought hole. And it's so isolating when you're there. Absolutely. So lonely when you're there. And it's hard to see the way out. Oh, yeah. You know, it's when you're in the throes of it, it's hard to see that there's something on the other side of it. And then once you feel yourself coming out of it, you're like, oh, that's okay. I'm on the other side of it. Now I know I can do X, Y, and Z to get me out of it faster or, you know what I mean? <laughs> but when Absolutely. And again, thankfully I have, my husband recognizes these signs and I just, I'm curious how people that don't have that, how they manage. Wow, that sounded like a, blah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's, I just, I'm, I'm so grateful Mm -hmm. to have someone in my life that will recognize and help me through to the other side until I'm strong enough with it in my body enough to, to do what I need to do. Yeah. It's a, it's a gift to have someone like that. You know, I don't think I've ever, uh, you know, my, my husband's there, but not in the way that you describe yours, um, yeah. particularly when we were having marital issues. He Ooh, wasn't right. really yeah. there for that, you know. And, <laughs> and when I was a kid, too, um, going through the depression as a teenager, my, I mean, my parents are great, but they do not talk about emotionally difficult things. Mm-hmm. Like, my mom will actually, like, go crying from the room. It's just, like, not her thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I was very alone yeah. in that. And so I kind of learned that like, well, you get depressed and then nobody talks no. to you and <laughs> so you sit in so. front of the fireplace, you know, at 90, 90 pounds doing your homework diligently and perfect, you know, perfectly yeah. to try and pull your, you know, it's just, that's kind of what I learned about it. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point, right? right? <laughs> I'm lonely and I need someone and oh, the people I need just left me alone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Well, and it's and it's hard too because so many of us, so much of our culture is emotion phobic, and when we're in those places of depression or anxiety, we have we're we're kind of spewing a lot of emotion, or we're going through a lot of emotion. Yeah, you know something that happened to me this so this summer. Um, so not only did I didn't have the support of my husband, um, I had the support of one good friend who was always there for me. And I'm, mm. I'm, I'm really grateful. We did a lot of like WhatsApp voice messaging. Mm. Um, but, you know, even my, my sister, who I had always um, been able to tell anything to, you know, she started getting kind of, um, she, kept, she kept hinting towards like, well, have you been medicated yet? Are you medicated? Did, did the doctor want to medicate you? And I was like, and, and I was on a course of treatment with my doctor that at that time did not include medication, mm-hmm. right? Which I was working out with my doctor. Right, right. And so I eventually just asked my sister, you know, like, do you think I should be medicated? Well, yeah, I think, you know, and then I, I said oh. to her, okay, well, you know, you're entitled to your opinion, um, that doesn't help me right now. And so I'd appreciate it if you can keep that. And she freaked out on me and I lost, lost her for a few weeks. Really? Oh my too. goodness. And you know what she actually told me? She says, you're a lot right now. Yeah. Ugh. You're, you're too much right you're now, too much. which is like my biggest fear. Right. You know, and when you're too different, much. right. You know, it was like this self-fulfilling thing. So I think that, I think that there's this loneliness that we, we feel. And sometimes like we actually become isolated because people aren't prepared. We don't They're know not, how to, 
take care of yeah. anything but happy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. I, I wish I had something more to say to that, but that's it in a nutshell, right? We're not equipped mm -hmm. to handle the uncomfortable emotions. Mm -hmm. Some of us better than others. Um, but you know, if, if hearing you're too much as an adult, I'm sure it brings back memories of when you were too much as a child. Oh, right? totally. And so again, it, it's like evidence. I, I love to talk about this evidence that we gather throughout our life. And when we're, you know, you can focus on, you can find evidence to support either, you know, for me, it was, I'm a really shitty person versus I'm a good nurturing kind person, right? Like it was really easy for me to find evidence that I was a shitty person Yeah. <laughs> when I shifted my focus um, through the help of friends and family and what have you. It's like, oh, there's all this evidence too, that I'm a really good person, but it's, yeah. you know, especially when you're, you're in a, a depression or what have you, a mental health state even shifting that focus takes too much work. It's, it's exhausting just to get up and, and move about your day, let alone have to layer on how other people are perceiving us able to handle the emotions, what have you. So mm -hmm. I wish there was a magic, <laughs> magic pill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the irony. I know. That could just all make us better able to handle this for others. And you know what? I have fallen down as a friend in this area. Oh yeah, now, I have to. Mm -hmm. And yeah, as, as much as I like to sit in the uncomfortable with people, there's times where it's too much for me based on my own mental health and where, where my brain chemistry is at. Mm -hmm. And that's hard too, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't have, I wish I had the answers. Um, but I, you know, what I want people listening in to get from this is it's okay to ask for support, right? The other person may not be able to give you what you are needing in that moment and that shitty and it sucks, but they may have something going on themselves that is invisible to you, right? But that doesn't mean you don't ask for the support that you need from others. You, like you have to ask or you, like if you don't make the ask, you will always stay isolated and lonely. If you make the ask, you may not get what you want, but at least you're doing your part. Right. Exactly. And, and hopefully someone in your, your realm of you know, your sphere will be able to give you this part that you need at that point in time. There might be another time where that person isn't able to give it to you, but it doesn't mean you give up. Yeah. I feel very strongly about that. Yep. I agree. Yeah. We have to do our part too. Yeah. And that's why I appreciated so much the posts you put out because I felt really ashamed of putting posts out. I mean, yeah. there's that, there's that meme going around, like, don't forget to pretend <laughs> everything's okay for all the people on the internet today or right. something like that. Right. <laughs> and I, I so felt like that. I was like, pretend I'm, that everything's what? okay. Everything's yeah. fine. And it, you know, it was, it was funny. I opened up one of my virtual classes. I, you know, I, I teach classes and yeah, was one of my um, students is also a friend of mine and I was on there teaching and I get a text from her and she's like, what is wrong? Oh, yeah. Like I can see right uh, through yeah. whatever it is, you know, you're doing. And yeah, it's just kind of interesting. Um, that, that whole dynamic about feeling shameful, needing to ask for help, mm -hmm. getting brave enough to ask for support, finding people um, who are, you know, okay. Yeah. With, with you not being okay. You yeah. Know, a to not yeah. be okay. Um, yeah. kind of a thing. 
And That's so hard. <laughs> it is hard. It is hard. But that community aspect, I think, is so important. You know, we're not, we're not supposed to be the only ones taking care of us. But right. especially when we're women and mothers, we tend to be the only ones taking care of us. That's what and we know how to do. That's what we know how to do. And that's what, you know, our, our culture kind of trains us to do is to take care of everyone else. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and my, just real quick on my loneliness, it, you know, I didn't have that community uh, for a number of reasons, including childhood and mental health, but I, I didn't have that community and until three years ago. So I was 45 and it was hard work. I'm, it's still hard, but worth it work, right? Mm-hmm. I'm still having to remind myself not to isolate, not to go to my, what had become my norm, which was to isolate and pull away and pretend everything was fine and be the strong person. And, you know, and, and, and it just, it got to the point where I could no longer live that way. And that sounds dramatic, but uh, it's true. Yeah. You know? Yep. So do I have all the friends in the world today? No, but I have the people I need, but that's because I, I put in the hard work yeah. uh, to do that. Yeah. It takes effort. You know, I remember you know, when I moved to Seattle, I don't know if you've heard of this, but there's something in Seattle called the Seattle chill or the Seattle free. Mm-hmm. So I know, right. Sounds so mysterious, but really yeah. it's just, a, a, it's just naming of this thing that happens in Seattle in the winter where everyone kind of goes inside and Seattle's known for being kind of unfriendly yeah. and okay. difficult to make, to meet people. And I actually found this to be true. And I found it was very strange that I had to be very clear and forward about my intentions. So I remember I would go to my, I had a strategy. So here's what I learned about, <laughs> here's what I learned about friendships. I actually read this study that showed that the way that we actually build good friendships is by spending unstructured time with people. Like where we just get to like hang out. And so the way that you normally, that you did that when you were younger is like through, you know, in college and like after, you know, in high school, like you would just go hang out with people, right? Well, as adults, we rarely just like hang out. We're we're rarely in situations. And so what we do is we go to things. We go to meetup groups, we go to functions and we're around people, but we're not necessarily getting intimate, like emotionally intimate with people. And what the study said was that you, you, can, you need to go to those things, but you have to take the next step mm-hmm. of like inviting someone to some unstructured time yeah. to get to know them. So this was my strategy when I moved to Seattle. <laughs> and I found that I had to be very, like, I had to be like, would you like to go to coffee with me? I think I like you and I would like to be your friend. Isn't that so bizarre? It's it felt so weird, but yeah. like for the people who were open to it, and yeah. actually my friends now, they were like, right. "I so appreciate your clarity," you know, right? <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you, you know, asking that. My best friend and I, like, we just met a year ago, and we instantly clicked. We, I mean, we're two peas in a pod. And like a couple of months ago, we were like, will you be my best friend? <laughs> it felt so much <laughs> and we're two women, almost 50. It was like, oh my God. But like sometimes that's, awesome. that's what you have to do is be awkward and dirty and make the ask and, you know, check yes or check no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's intimacy, right? Like it's it, deep it stuff. Totally 
But having, you know, that community to pull around you, even if it's small, you know, if it's small, but rooted, you know, it can do so much for our, you know, for our mental health. You know, I know that when I was going through my postpartum depression, and here's what I want to ask you next, I want to ask you all the ways in which you've worked with your mental health. Sure. Um, Because when I was in my postpartum depression, I was... Oh, good Lord. What was I doing? I was um, doing this meditation. I was taking this, you know, herbal tincture. I was taking this supplements. I was exercising every day. I was getting extra. I was getting a nap in. I was asking for what I need. You know, I was doing all the things. Mm -hmm. Now I had a new baby and like no one to help me. And so I had like no community, but I, I, it's like, I had this like laundry list of things that I was doing just to try to reach baseline. Yeah. You know, which it didn't work <laughs> long term, but, but I'm curious what, like what you've done, like what has worked for you? What mm. hasn't worked for you? What have been those key factors for you anywhere along your journey, you know, and, and it changes, right? And sorry, yeah, I called absolutely. it a journey. That's super annoying. No, it's... <laughs> hey, we're coaches. We yeah. use annoying words yeah. sometimes. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> for all you non-coach people, I know. <laughs> hopefully you forgive us for that. I know. <laughs> um, what have I done? Uh, you know, when my doctor way back when was like, hi, let's, let's try on this medicine. I was like, oh, okay. I just, there wasn't all this stuff about other ways to deal with it. At least not that I had access to at that point in time. And so I went on the medicine and I'm still on that medicine today. And, you know, we adjust the doses. Sometimes I go off at cold turkey and about four weeks later, I'm in a really bad way. And then I have to go crawling back to my doctor. It's usually when I have to refill it, right? I'm like, oh, I don't want to refill it. I'm feeling good. I don't need it. But then, you know, invariably four weeks later, I'll go back to the doc, say, I need, I think I need that medicine again. <laughs> this year I started, I did start some therapy. I've not done a ton of therapy in my life. And I really think that over the years I would have benefited from it for a number of reasons, but I started some, some therapy and, and added in an extra pill in the past. Yoga has worked really well for me, but what I have found is that when I'm in that, in the throes of it, as hard as it is, is practicing patience, practicing patience with myself, um, letting others know around me. So my husband and my daughter, letting them know what's going on, you know, and, and obviously keeping it, my daughter is 14. So keeping it appropriate for her. Um, and that if I snap at them, you know, it's, it's, I'm not giving myself an excuse, but here's why. And I'm working through it, but I have found that if I try to push myself through it, it gets worse. And so, yeah, the cycles is just giving myself some patience and some space, practicing kindness with myself as hard as it is. And then I know, I always know that there is, I will get through it. And as you know, I love silver linings. I love finding the positive in situations. And I, I always learn something on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. Always big and small. Um, and so that's, that's how I get through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Patience yeah. and kindness. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pa- I always find the patience um, the so most hard, the most difficult, particularly when my depression's accompanied by a lot of anxiety. Yeah, and for me, what that looks like, and it was happening this summer, is at night I just go into a spiral. And if mm-hmm. I'm right before my period and that PMS, mm-hmm. that's where the the suicidal thoughts would uh, come in for me. And yeah. so that's when I get to that place. It's interesting because it's almost like I'm watching myself have them. Yeah. If that makes sense, where yeah. I'm like, like there's a part You're of me detached. that's like. Yeah, there's a part of me that's like, this is so stupid. Like, listen to yourself. But there's yeah. this other part of me that wants to believe it. And it's this weird fight that will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then accompanying anxiety. So things that have helped me, um, meditation helps me. It has, I have to, if I'm depressed, so I have to have someone guide me. I can't, I can't mm-hmm. do it mm-hmm. myself. You know, I have to use a Headspace app or I'll listen to one of my old meditations sometimes. Just <laughs> anything. Awesome you know, push you do, but anything to help me get, get in there. Yeah. I, I have to move my body. Mm-hmm. You know, I need any endorphin I can get at that yeah. point for me. I've always been a fan of therapy, but for me finding the right therapist, yes. it's interesting when I was in my postpartum depression, I realized that I didn't have the right therapist, but I didn't realize that until about now. Cause now I have this awesome therapist and she does somatic work. And I'm like, this was what this needed what mm-hmm. before. Um, and I really love what you said about telling people about it. Cause I am able to tell my husband and I are able now we've got such great communication now for me to say, Hey, I'm having a down day. Mm-hmm. So I just need you to know. And that's the way we phrase it. I'm having a down day. Yeah. And I just need you to know that that's where I'm at. Yeah. Well, in doing that, you know, my husband is, he's 100% Finn. He was born here, but he is finished through and through, which if you know a Finn, they are not known for their emotional intelligence (laughs) or being able to show emotions. Mm -hmm. But even he now will, will say, you know, I'm having, I'm kind of having a down day. Um, If possible, I would love some extra space and kindness if, if I do snap, like I, I, I'm aware of it. I don't want to, but I might. And if I do, I'm sorry, but just, you know, if you can give me an extra little bit of extra kindness today, then I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> so it's even so, me yeah. doing it, you know, other people will start modeling that behavior. Right. Which is part of the reason I wanted us to have this conversation too, to help normalize, you know, that like, you know, those of us out there with podcasts and awesome work also can suffer from these things. And it's doesn't mean, you know, and it's interesting because it doesn't mean that we can't do our jobs. Right. Right. Doesn't mean that we can't show up. Uh, It just means that we're, yeah, laugh at, we're just having a personal matter that we're attending to and Mm -hmm working to get help with. And I, I want to talk for a second about medication because mm-hmm. particularly in the circles that I tend to roll in this, the Uber woo woo, mm-hmm. a little too woo sometimes circles, you know, there's this negative outlook about medication. Like, yeah. Oh, you should, yeah. you should never use medication because if you have the right affirmation and the right mixture of crystals and glitter, everything will be fine. Yeah. Um, but just like, I'm like, I want to eye roll and punch someone Uh, at the same time Yeah, because we have, we have bodies and there, there, there is so much we can do. I've, I had someone suggest to me, um, in the last six months that if I just, um, uh, took her, her method, her meditation method, then I would understand my depression better and wouldn't need medication. (sighs) 
Bless her heart. Bless her heart. I love you. <laughs> bless her heart. Right. Clearly, I'm not from the South, but bless yeah. her heart. Right. No, and so, yeah. Yeah. So I just want to talk about this because we have bodies and our bodies are complex and they have hormones and chemistries and not everything we have evolved to need from each other. We don't have yeah. all of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, do I love that I'm on medication? Not, not really. Um, I think for me, watching my dad's mental illness through the years and when he was not medicated versus medicated and understanding the brain chemistry and, and what wasn't there, it just, it has never been that big of an issue for, for me. Um, I take ibuprofen when I have swelling. I take acetaminophen when I have a headache. My mom takes insulin because she's diabetic. It, it just, it is what it is. Good, bad, right, or wrong. It, it is what it is. And yeah, yeah. I, I do think, I mean, it's hard because obviously as a society, we are over-medicated. We have people dying from op- opioids. Like that is right. a real thing as well. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I, I do believe in trusting yourself and getting curious and exploring. And just because you do go on a medication, you can choose to go off of it. Like you are an autonomous human being. Um, and you know, have a little trust and faith in yourself if you know it's the right thing or not. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's tough into- love there. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> no, I love that because when I was, um, in my postpartum anxiety, I was really hesitant, you know, to go on a meditation, uh, meditation. <laughs> I mean, that meditation is Not, so bad for your body. Whoa, right? <laughs> no, go to Put out meditation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but to go on a medication, I was, I was feeling all those thoughts that a lot of us feel like, I don't want to yeah. need this. I don't want to. And something that my therapist at that time said, she goes, but how nice would it be to give yourself all of the available tools? Yeah. Like what an act of self-love that you could, that you could try on everything available to you and decide, actually decide, you know, what works and what doesn't. And that's what I've loved about, about working. I I work with a naturopathic doctor Mm -hmm. who's just a genius. And so we, you know, we always start slow and she has me on all kinds of really great nervous system supportive supplements and herbs and it wasn't enough on it on its own. And so this summer we started a new medication and it's like, it's like things just clicked into place. Yeah. And it's this, it's just this beautiful feeling of being myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a feeling to me of being medicated. It's a feeling of being myself. It's like, here I am at baseline. Yeah. You know, doing like the regular things that would keep you at baseline, like sleep and food and exercise. You know, I don't have to do like all of the other. Yeah, I just, I just get to be me. And it's interesting because that's often how I end up, um, how it shows up to me in the energy when I read it is like, oh, we've just, we've just given you like, you know, your central channel, a magnet for your, your, you know, your aura to snap back into. So hello, you're here. You know where home is. Hello. Well, you know, and, and I've been on medication for years now. But I still have episodes of depression. Like that yeah. doesn't go away for me as much as I wish a pill would 
totally fix that. Like it, that's just, it's a part of me. It's something that it's rhythms in my life that I need to get used to and need to learn how to manage through. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they, when one comes up, like I, I can't be surprised anymore. Like, it's not like, oh my God, there it is again. I can't believe it. It's like, oh, there it is again. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I get through it to the other side? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I wish there was a pill that would, that would fix that. And I put that in, in air quotes, because I also think there's a lot of good things that come from my depression. Like I said, I, I always learn something new mm-hmm. always about myself, the world, um, how I want to be in the world, what mm-hmm. have you. Well, and those darker emotions have value. I mean, they're Absolutely. here, they're asking us something, you know, so whether they last a day or whether they create a depression where they stick around for a long time, yeah. I mean, they have value. Yeah. Right. Absol- All of that Absolutely. has value. You know, it's I'm a compassionate, kind, generous, sarcastic. I mean, I'm, I'm all these things and depression just happens to be a part of that. If I take that away, I don't know who I am anymore. Mm-hmm. That it, it, maybe that's a level of naive acceptance. I don't know, but it's, it's what works for me. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, have you noticed, do, do your, you know, your, you kind of mentioned you get kind of like waves or cycles, yeah. even though you're on medication. Do, do, I'm curious if those have a pattern, like do they follow a seasonal pattern or they feel unpredictable? Unpredictable. And 2018, they came a lot faster, which, which again, it was like, whoa, something, something else is going on here. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's, let's dig into that more. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't say I fully understand today why that is, but Mm -hmm. I continue to do the work with, with professionals, with myself to, to try to figure that out and Mm -hmm. and manage through it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there, for me, it's not, I I can't put timings to it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I wish I could. Yeah. And that's, that can be really challenging, the unpredictableness. I think that when I experienced that, actually journaling has been mm. uh, really helpful for me and really like an unfiltered kind of, you know, free yeah. flow writing just to get, cause just to get all the spinning and the weird stuff down on it, you know, out of me. Yeah. <laughs> get it out of me. Let it go through me. There was one night I was, I don't think of myself as an anxious person, but I I think that there is anxiety there as I dig deeper, but there was one night it was swirling, swirling, swirling. And I think it was, it was something with my in-laws that was just, I could not let it go. And I thought about it all night. I laid awake, spinning, spinning, spinning. The next day I was like, oh, I'm fine. I can't even really remember what I was spinning on. And then the next day I was spinning on something else. I was like, oh my God, what is happening here? why is this happening? But it's just at that point for me, it's data, right? This thing is happening. How do I want to react with it? What do I want to do with that data? Not to get really surgical or clinical about it, but that's how I tend to move through something is like, okay, being presented with some data here with some facts. What might that mean? Yep. It, you know, and, it, and it's like, and I've, you know, patterned myself to, okay, I need to reach out. I, when I reach out, I contact these, you know, four people, here's what I say to them. It, like it, it's, it's, I've, bec- it's become kind of a no brainer for me so that I don't have to spend ener- much energy thinking about it because at that point I don't have the energy to think about it. 
yeah I love creating menus for these types of things you know where it's where it's like it's some things that you choose from when you're at this restaurant here's what you choose from when you're at the depression place you choose from these options yeah (laughs) flow chart if this then do that (laughs) yes I mean it sounds silly and we're laughing but that's one of my mechanisms for moving through you well, it, it, it be, if you don't, if you can, pre, if you know that these things come on unpredictably yeah. mm-hmm. and when you're, you know, you can plan for them when you're in a better space and just know, okay, I've got to set aside, you know, a few things to do. Uh, you know, it's, it, this embarrasses me to no end to say, but my therapist, they, you know, because I'd had suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. she made me create a suicide plan. Yeah. And I felt so ridiculous writing it because I was like, I would never. And she's like, I don't care. I don't care. Write plan. Yeah. What happens? You're having the thought. And and then when I actually was in that dark place and had the thought, I was like, I have a plan. I have a plan. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. We got a winner. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel so grateful now because I don't have those crashes anymore. My medication has helped me where I'll get a little down, particularly like I have a, mine has a, um, a flow with my menstrual cycle okay. where I'll get a little down, but I don't crash. I don't go yeah. crashing down. I just go. You don't go down the spiral down. Yeah. I don't go down the drain. Ugh, down the drain. <laughs> down the drain's the worst. And again, you can see that that's what's happening. Yes. But, and, you, but you can't. No. It's like, can't. how do I get out? How do I stop it? Yeah. Yeah. The t- sides of the tub are so slippery. <sighs> I know. Can we laugh a little bit? I know. That's why I'm laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because it is. It's like that. It's just like trying to ah, draw yourself up. It's such a heavy topic, but obviously the more people talk about it, the less it becomes taboo. And that's exactly why we're having this conversation. We are two incredibly normal people, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, as normal as- I mean, as normal as we can possibly be. Yeah. And it, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't look at you. You wouldn't look at me and see lonely and, and, and depressed and not sad, not sad depression, but like bone heart achingly yeah. depressed. Right. Right. Um, and so if the two of us are out there walking around carrying this on our shoulders, there's a whole hell of a lot more. Absolutely. And when we can connect this way, you know, and these subjects that then, then these feelings, this depression, whatever can become a portal for, for us to connect. Yeah, for, for connection. Yeah. Exactly. A, oh, yeah. I just got goosebumps. A portal yeah. for connection. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The, the me too. I, I have felt that too. Yeah. So powerful. If we just let ourselves do that more. Yeah, absolutely. So it was great. You know, after I saw your Facebook post, I kind of said, okay, you know, I reached out to you, which was so yeah. nice to know that I could do that. Um, and that's, that's what I thought the power of you sharing that was, was it gave me permission to be, reach out and be like, Hey, I'm not okay. Can yeah. I just like share in your not okayness yeah. right now? That gave me such a respite from the place that I had been in. And then also felt like I had an ally, Yeah, you know, like, Oh, this person who I know, cause we've had a conversation yeah. We can talk about this. And it was so, so helpful. And so that, that post also helped me start to say, okay, I'm going to start to talk about this more. And I think it was right after oh, that, I, I came out with a podcast episode called I'm a hot mess sometimes. 
I talked about it. Hot, hot mess. Hot, hot mess. And it was, it was really, really great. Um, so I, I want to thank you for being brave and speaking up about that. It's influenced me. I'm glad my not okayness helped your not okayness. (laughs) It so did. (laughs) Can we do that? Yes. That might be the title of the show. (laughs) This isn't about patting ourselves on the back either, right? I don't want anyone listening in thinking these are, you know, we're patting, giving ourselves kudos here. It's just, you know, it's, it's modeling what this can look like for someone and that it, you know, you have a different experience than I do. And that's what's how it's going to be. We are going to have our different experiences, but there's also such deep connection that can be had in those experiences. Absolutely. Um, is there anything you have coming up that you want to share with us? Well, I am in life coach certification school right now. And yeah, I know, like I, I've been doing it for years and I'm very comfortable in that, but I knew uh-huh. that there was more I wanted to learn. And so I am going to be actually offering my services at reduced prices coming up. So I would love if anyone listening in is like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to connect with Jen. Let's do it. Awesome. Yeah. It'll be cheaper for a while. (laughs) That's what's coming up. Cool. Well, I'll make sure to put all of that in the show notes. Well, this has been an awesome conversation, Jen. I'm so glad that you're here today. And if there's one, you know, one thing that you want our listeners to know, what would that thing be? Oh gosh, that's, it's hard and easy. No one shows up wanting to do a bad job. So if you think about that in your relationships, at work, in whatever, as you're out and about in the world, what's going on beneath the covers of someone else? And how can you turn that into a potential connection? I love that. (laughs) Thank you. Oh my gosh. Um, It helps me on a daily basis. No one shows up wanting to do a bad job. Seriously. I love that. All right. Thanks so much for being here, Jen. Thanks for having me. I'm your host, Anna Holden, the resident intuitive healer and witch at SensitivityUncensored.com. Each new and full moon, I bring you the voices of sensitive, empathic, and creative pioneers starting conversations to lift up the voices of sensitive souls who have a piece of the solution to help all of us evolve out of the limiting, patriarchal structures that bind us and start to create a new world that values us all. This is the Soul of Sensitivity. Sensitivity.